Section 4 of Völsunga Saga. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Völsunga Saga by Anonymous. Translated by Erikur Magnusson and William Morris. Section 4, Chapter 12. Now King Lingvi made for the king's abode, and was minded to take the king's daughter there, but failed herein. For there he found neither wife nor wealth. So he fared through all the realm, and gave his men rule thereover, and now deemed that he had slain all the kin of the Volsungs, and that he need dread them no more from henceforth. Now Hjordis went amidst the slain that night of the battle, and came whereas lay King Sigmund, and asked if he might be healed. But he answered, Many a man lives after hope has grown little, but my good hap has departed from me. Nor will I suffer myself to be healed, nor wills Odin that I should ever draw a sword again, since this, my sword and his, is broken. Lo now, I have waged war while it was his will. Not ill would I deem matters, said she, if thou mightest be healed and avenge my father. The king said, That is fated for another man. Behold now, thou art great with a man-child. Nourish him well and with good heed, and the child shall be the noblest and most famed of all our kin. And keep well with all the shards of the sword. Thereof shall a goodly sword be made, and it shall be called Gram, and our son shall bear it, and shall work many a great work therewith, even such as Eld shall never minish. For his name shall abide and flourish as long as the world shall endure. And let this be a now for thee. But now I grow weary with my wounds, and I will go see our kin that have gone before me. So Hjordis sat over him till he died at the day dawning. And then she looked, and behold, there came many ships sailing to the land, then she spake to the handmaid, Let us now change raiment, and be thou called by my name, and say that thou art the king's daughter. And thus they did. But now the Vikings behold the great slaughter of men there, and see where two women fare away thence into the wood, and they deem that some great tidings must have befallen, and they leaped ashore from out their ships. Now the captain of these folks was Alf, son of Hjalprek, king of Denmark, who was sailing with his power along the land. So they came into the field among the slain, and saw how many men lay dead there. Then the king bade go seek for the women and bring them thither, and they did so. He asked them what women they were, and, little as the thing seems like to be, the bondmaid answered for the twain telling of the fall of King Sigmund and King Elamy, and many another great man, and who they were withal who had wrought the deed. Then the king asks if they wotted where the wealth of the king was bestowed. And then says the bondmaid, It may well be deemed that we know full surely thereof. And therewith she guides them to the place where the treasure lay. And there they found exceeding great wealth, so that men deem they have never seen so many things of price heaped up together in one place. 
All this they bore to the ships of King Alf, and Hjordis and the bondmaid went with them. Therewith these sail away to their own realm, and talk how that surely on that field had fallen the most renowned of kings. So the king sits by the tiller, but the women abide in the forecastle. But talk he had with the women, and held their counsels of much account. In such wise the king came home to his realm with great wealth, and he himself was a man exceeding goodly to look on. But when he had been but a little while at home, the queen his mother asked him, Why the fairest of the two women had the fewer rings, and the less worthy attire? I deem, she said, that she whom ye have held of least account is the noblest of the twain. He answered, I too have misdoubted me, that she is little like a bondwoman, and when we first met, in seemly wise she greeted noble men. Lo now, we will make a trial of the thing. So on a time, as men sat at the drink, the king sat down to talk with the women, and said, In what wise do ye note the wearing of the hours, when as night grows old, if ye may not see the lights of heaven? Then says the bondwoman, This sign have I, that when as in my youth I was wont to drink much in the dawn, so now, when I no longer use that manner, I am yet wont to wake up at that very same tide, and by that token do I know thereof. Then the king laughed and said, Ill manners for a king's daughter. And therewith he turned to Hjordis, and asked her even the same question. But she answered, my father erst gave me a little gold ring of such nature that it groweth cold on my finger in the day dawning, and that is the sign that I have to know thereof. The king answered, And now of gold there, where a very bondmaid bore it, but come now, thou hast been long enow hid from me, yet if thou hadst told me all from the beginning, I would have done to thee as though we had both been one king's children but better than thy deeds will I deal with thee, for thou shalt be my wife, and due jointure will I pay thee, whenas thou hast borne me a child. She spake therewith, and told out the whole truth about herself. So there was she held in great honor, and deemed the worthiest of women. Chapter 13 The tale tells that Hjordis brought forth a man-child, who was straightly born before King Hjalprek. And then was the king glad thereof, when he saw the keen eyes in the head of him, and he said that few men would be equal to him, or like unto him in any wise. So he was sprinkled with water, and had to name Sigurd, of whom all men speak with one speech, and say that none was ever his like for growth and goodliness. He was brought up in the house of King Hjalprek, in great love and honor. And so it is, that when so all the noblest men and greatest kings are named in the olden tales, Sigurd is ever put before them all, for might and prowess, for high mind and stout heart, wherewith he was far more abundantly gifted than any man of the northern parts of the wide world. So Sigurd waxed in King Halprick's house, and there was no child but loved him. Through him was Hjordis betrothed to King Alf, and jointure meted to her. Now, 
Sigurd's foster father was hight Regan, the son of Hreithmar. He taught him all manner of arts, the chess play, and the lore of runes, and the talking of many tongues, even as the wont was with king's sons in those days. But on a day when they were together, Regan asked Sigurd if he knew how much wealth his father had owned, and who had the ward thereof. Sigurd answered, and said that the kings kept the ward thereof. Said Regan, Dost thou trust them all, utterly? Sigurd said, It is seemly that they keep it, till I may do somewhat therewith, for better they wot how to guard it than I do. Another time came Regan to talk to Sigurd, and said, A marvellous thing, truly, that thou must needs be a horse-boy to the kings, and go about like a running knave. Nay, said Sigurd, it is not so, for in all things I have my will, and whatso thing I desire is granted me with good will. Well, then, said Regan, ask for a horse of them. Yea, quoth Sigurd, and that shall I have, when so I have need thereof. Thereafter Sigurd went to the king, and the king said, What wilt thou have of us? Then said Sigurd, I would even a horse of thee, for my disport. Then said the king, Choose for thyself a horse, and whatso thing else thou desirest among my matters. So the next day went Sigurd to the wood, and met on the way an old man, long-bearded, that he knew not, who asked him, Whither away? Sigurd said, I am minded to choose me a horse. Come thou, and counsel me thereon. Well then, said he, go we and drive them to the river which is called Busseltjorn. They did so, and drave the horses down into the deeps of the river, and all swam back to land but one horse, and that horse Sigurd chose for himself. Grey he was of hue, and young of years, great of growth, and fair to look on, nor had any man yet crossed his back. Then spake the greybeard, From Sleipnir's kin is this horse come, and he must be nourished heedfully, for it will be the best of all horses. And therewithal he vanished away. So Sigurd called the horse Grani, the best of all the horses of the world, nor was the man he met other than Odin himself. Now yet again spake Regan to Sigurd, and said, Not enough is thy wealth, and I grieve right sore that thou must needs run here and there like a churl's son. But I can tell thee where there is much wealth for the winning, and great name and honor to be won in getting of it. Sigurd asked where that might be, and who had watch and ward over it. Regan answered, Faufnir is his name, and but a little way hence he lies, on the waste of Gnita Heath. And when thou comest there, thou mayest well say that thou hast never seen more gold heaped together in one place, and that none might desire more treasure, though he were the most ancient and famed of all kings. Young am I, says Sigurd, yet I know the fashion of this worm, and how that none durst go against him, so huge and evil is he. Regan said, Nay, it is not so. The fashion and the growth of him is even as other ling worms, and an over-great tale men make of it. 
and even so would thy forefathers have deemed. But thou, though thou be of the kin of the Volsungs, shalt scarce have the heart and mind of those who are told of as the first in all deeds of fame. Sigurd said, Yea, belike I have little of their hardihood and prowess, but thou hast naught to do to lay a coward's name upon me when I am scarce out of my childish years. Why dost thou egg me on hereto so busily? Regan said, Therein lies a tale which I must needs tell thee. Let me hear the same, said Sigurd. Chapter 14 Thus the tale begins, said Regan. Hrithmar was my father's name, a mighty man and a wealthy. And his first son was named Fafnir, his second Otter. And I was the third and the least of them all, both for prowess and good conditions. But I was cunning to work in iron and silver and gold, whereof I could make matters that availed somewhat. Other skill my brother Otter followed, and had another nature withal. For he was a great fisher, and above other men herein, in that he had the likeness of an otter by day, and dwelt ever in the river, and bare fish to bank in his mouth. And his prey would he ever bring to our father, and that availed him much. For the most part he kept him in his otter gear, and then he would come home and eat alone and slumbering, for on the dry land he might see naught. But Fafnir was by far the greatest and grimmest, and would have all things about called his. Now, says Regan, there was a dwarf, called Andvari, who ever abode in that force which was called Andvari's force, in the likeness of a pike, and got meat for himself, for many fish there were in the force. Now Otter, my brother, was ever wont to enter into the force and bring fish a land, and lay them one by one on the bank. And so it befell that Odin, Loki, and Henir, as they went their ways, came to Andvari's force. And Otter had taken a salmon, and ate it slumbering upon the river bank. Then Loki took a stone and cast it at Otter, so that he gat his death thereby. The gods were well content with their prey, and fell to flaying off the otter's skin, and in the evening they came to Hrathmar's house and showed him what they had taken. Thereon he laid hands on them, and doomed them to such ransom as that they should fill the otter skin with gold, and cover it over without with red gold. So they sent Loki to gather gold together for them. He came to Ron, and got her net, and went therewith to Andvari's force, and cast the net before the pike, and the pike ran into the net, and was taken. Then said Loki, Quater that visca erinner flodi i, cannot servith viti varask? What fish of all fishes swims strong in the flood, but hath learnt little wit to beware? Thy head must thou buy from abiding in hell, and find me the wan water's flame. He answered, Anvari folk call me, call Oin my father, over many a force have I fared. 
For a norn of ill luck, this life on me lay through wet ways ever to wade. So Loki beheld the gold of Anvari, and when he had given up the gold, he had but one ring left, and that also Loki took from him. Then the dwarf went into a hollow of the rocks and cried out that that gold ring, yea, and all the gold withal, should be the bane of every man who should own it thereafter. Now the gods rode with the treasure to Hrethmar, and fulfilled the otter skin, and set it on its feet, and they must cover it over utterly with gold. But when this was done, then Hrethmar came forth and beheld yet one of the muzzle hairs, and bade them cover that withal. Then Odin drew the ring, Anvari's loom, from his hand, and covered up the hair therewith. Then sang Loki, Golden now, golden now, a great ware-guild thou hast, that my head in good hap I may hold. But thou and thy son are not fated to thrive, the bane shall it be of you both. Thereafter, says Regan, Fafnir slew his father, and murdered him, nor got I aught of the treasure. And so evil he grew, that he fell to lying abroad, and begrudged any share in the wealth to any man, and so became the worst of all worms, and ever now lies brooding upon that treasure. But for me, I went to the king and became his master smith, and thus is the tale told, of how I lost the heritage of my father and the weirguild for my brother. So spake Regan. But since that time gold is called Ottergild, and for no other cause than this. But Sigurd answered, Much hast thou lost, and exceeding evil have thy kinsmen been. But now, make a sword by thy craft, such a sword as that none can be made like unto it, so that I may do great deeds therewith, if my heart avail thereto, and thou wouldst have me slay this mighty dragon. Regan says, Trust me well herein, and with that same sword, Shalt thou slay Fafnir? Chapter 15 So, Regan makes a sword and gives it into Sigurd's hands. He took the sword and said, Behold thy smithying, Regan! And therewith smote it into the anvil, and the sword brake. So he cast down the brand, and bade him forge a better. Then Regan forged another sword, and brought it to Sigurd, who looked thereon. Then said Regan, Belike thou art well content therewith, hard master though thou be in smithying. So Sigurd proved the sword, and brake it, even as the first. Then he said to Regan, Ah, art thou mayhappen a traitor and a liar like to those former kin of thine? Therewith he went to his mother, and she welcomed him in seemly wise, and they talked and drank together. Then spake Sigurd, Have I heard aright that King Sigmund gave thee the good sword Grom in two pieces? True enough, she said. So Sigurd said, Deliver them into my hands, for I would have them. She said he looked like to win great fame, and gave him the sword. 
Therewith went Sigurd to Regan, and bade him make a good sword thereof, as he best might. Regan grew wroth thereat, but went into the smithy with the pieces of the sword, thinking well meanwhile that Sigurd pushed his head far anow into the matter of smithying. So he made a sword. And as he bore it forth from the forge it seemed to the smiths as though fire burned along the edges thereof. Now he bade Sigurd take the sword, and said he knew not how to make a sword if this one failed. Then Sigurd smote it into the anvil, and cleft it down to the stock thereof, and neither burst the sword nor break it. Then he praised the sword much, and thereafter went to the river with a lock of wool, and threw it up against the stream, and it fell asunder when it met the sword. Then was Sigurd glad, and went home. But Regan said, Now, whereas I have made the sword for thee, belike thou wilt hold to thy troth given, and wilt go meet Fafnir. Surely will I hold thereto, said Sigurd, yet first must I avenge my father. Now Sigurd, the older he grew, the more he grew in the love of all men, so that every child loved him well. End of section 4